Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Yes. Man, I just, when I think about the, the story and the life of our campus, when I think about all the, the families and the stories who are represented here, I just can't imagine Forest City Church Elgin without the moms, without just all that you do and give and all that you are. And we just recognize you and honor you this morning. Moms who are in the thick of it with little kids at home, moms who are in a new season, kind of trying to figure out what is this new season? What does this look like for me? Um, just what is, what is my identity and role in this new season of life? I think about so many, um, so many people who have taken on the role of mom, a spiritual mom, taken, taken in kids who are not their own or stepped in in that role as a mother. I know I've had that in my life as well. And we just see you and honor you and value you and acknowledge that what you do and your story and the way that you love is so much bigger than yourself. And it's just so true to the kingdom and what we know the kingdom to do. So thank you so much. We love you and honor you. And as a pastor, I just can't help but think about this day and also just want to hold space from so many people where Mother's Day is just a difficult time, a weird time, a confusing time, a time of maybe grief or loss or disappointment. I know that um, our relationship with our moms or our relationship to motherhood or our lack of relationship with motherhood all just carry such complexities. And that no matter who you are or what your story is, there is some kind of attachment to mom or motherhood. And so I just also want to hold space for those of you who are here today who maybe didn't even want to come because it was going to mean you had to just face something that you didn't want to face. Hold space for this day that is just hard or disappointing or full of grief or loss. And I just invite you to be present in whatever it is that's real for you. And I do that not because of myself, but because of who I know Jesus to be. And one of the things I love the most about Jesus and the gospel is just the capacity to hold space for two realities at once. That, that Jesus doesn't mean that we bypass our experience or we bypass our story or we bypass our reality, but there is another reality running alongside the one that we're experiencing, and that is one that truly offers hope. That there is nothing too far, there's no experience too dark or too lost um, for Jesus to not be able to bring hope. And so I invite you into this place because I know who Jesus is, because I know his capacity, and because I believe that there is, there is still hope for all of us today, no matter what it is we bring in with us this morning. So thank you for being here. Thank you for showing up. Thanks for entering in on this journey together on this Mother's Day. Well, we have been in the book of Luke every single week. We've been working through um, this idea, this series of the kingdom is like. And so for Mother's Day, I'm going to shake things up a little bit. We're going we're gonna to veer from our normal path. Can we do that? Are we good? We're going to be okay? We're going to make it? All right. We're going to dive into further into the New Testament, into Romans and Acts. And we are going to talk about a woman named Priscilla. Because I love what God does through unlikely people. I love what he does through unexpected people. I love what he does in, in unexpected and unlikely ways. And I think that's still who he is and what he does. And when I think about Mother's Day and the experience of mothers, even the experience of women, I think many of us can get caught up in the story of feeling unlikely, of feeling maybe overlooked, of feeling unexpected. 
And so I want to look at the story of a woman named Priscilla because I think she's going to tell us so much about how God creates influence in the kingdom with people who may be otherwise unlikely, overlooked, or unexpected. And I know that when I think about the experience of moms or of women, that we aren't the only ones who sometimes look or feel overlooked or unexpected or unlikely. And so I really think this is a message about unlikely influence for all of us. So let's dive in today. We're going to turn first to Romans 16. I'm not going to read as much this morning, so I do have it up on the screens for you. Um, and this is the first time we, we meet Priscilla. It says, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful for them. So just a little context. Out of the six times that Priscilla's name is mentioned in the New Testament, four of the times she's mentioned before her husband, Aquila. And that is like a cue for us as the reader, that it's outside the norm, so we need to pay attention, and there's probably a meaning for the ordering of the names. It's something that we want to kind of figure out. It shows us that Priscilla was seen as a leader. She was somebody with influence, and particularly we know her context is in, um, in the context of the early church. She was involved in the New Testament and working with Paul um, in the time that the early church was multiplying. It was spreading. People were coming to know Jesus. They were experiencing healing and freedom. And, and so this is a time where the church is moving, the church is alive, and Priscilla is right there in the middle of it. She is very much a part of this movement. She's a key leader. And when I think about who Priscilla was and how many people must have looked up to her because of who she was, I think about what it means to look up to someone. I don't know about you, but if you can think back to somebody that you've looked up to, somebody that you thought was um, notable or maybe of influence. So for me, I'm going to bring you back to Bria in like the late 80s, early 90s, okay? And there, there was no one that I looked up to more than Amy Grant. I wanted to sing like Amy Grant. I wanted to dress like Amy Grant. I had all of her cassettes. I, it was like back when I, I didn't have access to the internet, so we'd, I'd read about Amy Grant in all of my magazines. Like it was, it was Amy Grant. And I wanted to know everything about her, like what did she do and what did she wear and how did she do her life? And I, and there was just, I just wanted so much information. And I think that's so true for those of us who look up to someone. We kind of want to know what is it that made them whatever we think is great? What did they do? How did they set up their life? What were the choices that they made? What's their secret? Like what's that thing that made them great, that gave them influence? And I think that translates to even now. I mean, when we think about social media, Instagram, TikTok, there are these like influencers. There are these people that have these platforms on social media. And I even know as a mom, there's like mom influencers. And so what you do is you watch these reels about like mom's sleep schedules and work schedule, working from home and work schedules and products that they use and things that they buy and, and discipline strategies and all these things. And, and we watch all these things and take in all this content to try to figure out like, how do I do my life like that? Or how do I achieve that kind of influence or greatness or whatever we think is notable? How do I get that thing? And if, maybe if I do it the way that person is doing it, I'll achieve what they have that I think is desirable. And I think the interesting thing for Priscilla is that I would argue it wasn't her perfect plan. It wasn't her achievements. It wasn't her success. 
It was her response to God. It was her yes that gave her influence and that truly made her great. And so I want to talk more about this, more about how she responded with a yes, because I think really our influence, our purpose is in our yes. And it's our yes to God that matters. And we all, mom or not, or woman or not, we all have a yes to give. And so I want to talk more about what it means to respond to God with a yes. So let's look first at Priscilla's relationships. That's where we're going to go first. So we know that Priscilla and her husband are always talked about together. And I think that says something really unique about them. I think it, talk, it, it shows us that they're a team, uh, that they work together, that they are truly a unit. It says something about their marriage and how they support each other and value each other's influence. In those times, in the times of scripture, as a man, Priscilla's husband, Aquila, would have just naturally had more influence and expected position. But he used his influence to help build up his wife, to support her, to make space for her, and to give her a voice. And I think this really resonated here with me because as a, as a campus pastor who's a woman, that can often still be like an interesting dynamic for people. And it's also just interesting. Um, I get lots of questions about like my marriage and my husband who's also on staff and I'm the campus pastor and he's on staff and like how does that work and how does that go? And it's interesting dynamic for people. But I know even from my perspective that what it takes for me to give my yes, to step into what it is that God has called me to do in this season, I couldn't do that without the support of my husband. That we do not have it all figured out. Please do not, let's not leave thinking that. But there are, t- there are weeks where he supports me and there are weeks that I support him and we kind of share that back and forth. And I wouldn't be able to do it without him also giving some of his influence to use it to build me up and to support me. And so I think about, you know, what does it look like for those of us who do have influence or for the spaces that we do have influence in? Who are the overlooked people in those places? Who are people who are experiencing life in the margins? Who are, uh, who, who are the people without a voice? And how do those of us who have influence because of maybe in certain spaces because of our position or our status, maybe our gender, maybe our skin color, how are we looking at this idea of influence and looking around us and using our influence to build up people who are overlooked? Because I think that's part of what this whole dynamic between Priscilla and Aquila is showing us, that, that with their relationship, they gave a yes to God. God is a relational God. He accomplishes his kingdom work through relationship. And so the question is, will we say yes to what he wants to do, even with our own influence and our own relationships? Because when Aquila invested in the influence of his wife, he invested in the influence of the kingdom. He invested in the work of the kingdom. And influence happens when we say yes with our relationships. So I just would encourage you, if you're thinking about your relationships, your spheres of influences, the people that you have access to that you could build up or leverage your resources or your voice towards that person or that entity. I would encourage you, use your influence to raise up those who are overlooked. Give value and honor to those who are overlooked in your spaces. Use what you have, leverage your resources towards, um, towards lifting people up who are overlooked. Use your influence to make a way for those people. So next, we're going to look at another area of Priscilla's life. And so we're going to go to Acts verse 18, and I'll read this one, and it'll be on the screens for you as well. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him preach, 
they wanted to teach him more accurately. And so I'm going to give some context for this verse as well. So at this, uh, at this point, um, there's a teacher being referenced, and his name is Apollo. So he is a new teacher of the way of Jesus. And when Priscilla and her husband Aquila hear them teach, they see that he's a good guy. He's got good intentions, but he's sort of newer um, in the teaching of the gospel. And there are some things that he maybe doesn't have like fully accurate or fully on track with. And so it's interesting because Priscilla, as a woman during those times, would have less sort of religious training and background than this man, Apollos, because he's a man, he would have had access to more religious training and background. But scripture tells us that she and her husband, they quietly pull Apollos aside and they both kind of like teach him what he didn't know. They humbly sort of correct him and teach him. And he continues to go on and teach and preach. And many come to know Jesus because of his teaching, because of his preaching. He continues to grow as as a teacher of the gospel. And I think this says something really interesting about Priscilla's calling, her idea of calling or purpose, that it is not determined by your training. It is not determined by your background or your culture or your context or your gender or your race. It is who God says you are, and it is what he asks you to do. And I think sometimes we take for granted that these that people in scripture that we're reading about and the ways that they're acting just seem very natural. And like, of course they would do that. But I, when I think about Priscilla's experience, I think this would have been probably really hard for her to do. As a woman, there wouldn't have been a lot of place or bridge for her to go correct a man or to use her voice in that way. That would have been a difficult thing for her to do. She would have had to make a decision to either move forward on what culture said she was or the world said she was or what God says she is. And so I think Priscilla is showing us that influence happens when we say yes to God with our calling and with our purpose. And I think calling and purpose is a really big word. And I think when we think about this idea of calling and purpose, it brings up different things for each of us. Um, we, We define that word in different ways. I think we're also connected to the idea of our calling in different ways. And I especially think about moms and just the season of motherhood and how it can feel like you just have to sort of lay everything on the side to be able to step into motherhood for a certain amount of time. I think about um, just the experience of, of women and how many women I've talked to and just considering what, what is my calling in this season of life? What does it look like for me to have purpose? How do I show up in the ways that God has wired me with what he's given me to say or to do? And I wonder where you are at specifically today with your calling. I wonder if there's discouragement there or there's confusion. Like, I don't know what this looks like or I don't know how to get to it. I wonder if you'll feel stuck. Like, I keep trying and trying and trying to get to this place, but I I just don't think I'm making it or I don't think I have what it takes. I don't know what you've been told about, about your voice or about what you have to give or make or do or create or contribute. I wonder where you're at today with your calling. And I think this is for everybody in the room, but I also just want to speak to the, to the women in this space because I do believe that God has given you something specific for you to do, something so important for you to do for the kingdom. I don't know what maybe you've been told in your context about your voice, or your contribution as a woman or, or your place or, or what being a woman looks like in different seasons. But when I look to Jesus and his ministry, I see that he made space for the value and the contributions and the voice of women. 
And I believe that translates to our story today. And that wherever you may find yourself, however stretched or limited or just at capacity you may feel, that there is a purpose and a calling that God has given you, that he has placed over your life. There is something for you to do. When, when I think more about this truth, I think about the verse, 1 Peter 2, verses 9. It says, but you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you. I love this part. From nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. I want you to know today that God is so intentional about making you influential. There is a calling and a purpose that God is intentional about giving to you. And I guess I just talked to so many women whose experience is just, um, you know, whether it's in the marketplace or at home, whether it's in a season of young kids or older kids or a, a season of being single, whatever it is, I hear so many women reflect on just the, the burden that they carry, the load that they carry, the confusion of what it looks like to be in the space that they're in, just the sense of like, I don't know if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know if I'm on track. I don't even know if like what I'm doing matters. I, I've, I've lost some parts of myself in this season that I'm in, and it's almost this idea of imposter syndrome, like I'm here and I'm showing up, but, but I don't really believe down deep that I deserve to be here. And I just want to speak to that for a moment because I just, I think about that dynamic and that reality. And I think, man, there is just no better way for the enemy to sort of get a bunch of people off track in the same direction than to get them confused about the value of their voice for the kingdom. Like what better way to get the kingdom work of reconciliation, of healing, and of freedom off track than by getting a bunch of women confused of like, do they even have anything valuable to give? And so I just want to declare over you this morning to the women in the room, you have been made for a purpose. You are not what someone spoke over you or said you were. You are not the thing that someone told you you couldn't do or weren't able to do. You are not defined by your failures or your weakness or your inability to achieve perfection. You are who God says you are, and you have something to do. And it's so important. It's so important. It's, it's important enough that if you didn't do it, that he would have to find someone else to get it done. Because you were made to contribute to the work of the kingdom in a unique and special way. And, and if you are crushed or discouraged this morning, I just want you to remember that it is not up to you to get yourself out of it. It's not up to you to, to step out of it. It's not up to you to work out of it or achieve out of it. The psalmist says, but you, O God, are a shield around me. You are my glory. You are the lifter of my head. And the beauty of this message is that you don't have to fight for it because God has already made a way for you. He's already made a place for you in his story. So if you are discouraged this morning, you get up. He is a shield around you. There is nothing that can stand against his plans. If you are crushed this morning, you rise up. He is the lifter of your head. His name elevates you. Keep your eyes on him. The Lord, I just believe, wants to encourage the hearts this morning that just feel crushed and discouraged and overlooked and lowly and weary. And he wants to call you into his light and his love and his goodness and his abundance. So are we noticing a theme this morning for Priscilla's life? We look at her relationships, we look at her calling, and we see that she is giving God her yes. And that is what's bringing influence in her life. We're going to jump 
ahead to another area of her life, the area of surrender. Because ultimately, in order to give God your yes in relationships or your yes in calling, it requires a heart of surrender. And so let's read in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 19. It says, Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord. And so does the church that meets at their house. And so let's talk a little bit more about the context of this scripture. So Priscilla and her husband, Aquila, they were probably tent makers, and they had a thriving, successful business. They traveled with Paul to Ephesus, and they spent considerable time, considerable time with the church there. And even though the church was thriving, it wasn't an easy time for the church. There was much persecution and danger and insecurity. It was not like a, a safe and comfortable time. But we see that Priscilla was fully committed to the mission of the church, and they are continuing their work, and they're spreading the gospel, and they are housing one of the, one of the house churches in Rome that's meeting in their home. Um, some say they even employed Paul in their tent-making business when he would move through that area. And this shows me that Priscilla really did say yes to God with whatever it is she had. And I wonder what you think about when you think about what you have to give what you have. I wonder if you see value in what you have, if you even see who you are and what you've got as an opportunity to say yes. Because I think most of us don't see the opportunities that are, that are given to us with what we have. But influence happens when we say yes to God with whatever we've got, with whatever it looks like in whatever season and however it looks, all the limits included. And I just, I think about what gets in the way of our influence or our yes and I think ultimately, it's what, what gets in the way of our surrender. What is it that gets in the way of saying, God, whatever I have, whatever I am, whatever I have to give, you just take it and you do with it what you can do. What is it that gets in the way of that? What stops us from that? Because I don't know that most of us would say, that's an accurate reflection of my life or of my choices or of the season that I'm in. I think one area that, that keeps us from that surrendered yes is measuring value on what we produce. I think for sure as a mom in my own experience, you've heard me talk about this so many times. In this season of little kids, I feel stretched and needing to be in 18 places at one time and just my life is more full of limits than it ever has been. My ability to produce or achieve or just my, my capacity for productivity looks different in this season than it ever has looked. There are times when I'm with my daughter and I feel like I should be working. And then when I'm working, I feel like I should be with my daughter. And it's kind of this like back and forth cycle of nothing is ever done or finished. I would love to just begin a project and get to finish it. Like that would be amazing, right? And not have to get interrupted or stop or have it depend on someone else's needs. I think, um, I think especially as women, we can, we can have value be in our producing instead of who we are. I remember on my first maternity leave, um, I was working in, in the church context at that time as well, and it was actually really hard for me when I had my baby and I was home in those early newborn days. I felt like, who am I? Like, I'm not doing anything. I'm not, I'm not pushing anything forward. I'm not achieving something or producing something. And it was almost as if it was less valuable to be home with my newborn than to be in a ministry context, making programs happen and, and creating next steps and, and doing all the things I did. And that was from a church context. 
And I think it says something so interesting about just the, the, the culture of our world and the culture of, of church and the culture of ministry about this value on producing and achieving and performing versus being and how that becomes so attached to our identity, how we measure ourselves. And I think that can get in the way of our yes because we look at what it means to say yes to God of what we have and we measure that through the lens of production and achievement and measurement as opposed to maybe what God is really asking of us in a season. And I think that so many of us are just just um, loaded down and worn down and weary and carrying this heavy load because we're trying to achieve and produce all these things that God isn't even maybe asking us to do right now at this point in time. And church, I just want you to know that God, he's not asking for workers and producers and executors. Ultimately, he's asking for sons and daughters. And I wonder if we are experiencing the freedom of not having to be a worker or producer or executor, but of being a son or a daughter in the kingdom. It doesn't say anything about Priscilla's business achievements, how much money her business was making, the numbers from her ministry, how many services the house church had to go to because it got too big. It doesn't seem like she was super wrapped up in producing things or achieving things for God. It seems like she was really concerned about responding to him. She was concerned about responding to what it is that he was doing. And I think this shows us that it's not about the results of your life. It is the response of your life. And that yes isn't about the results. That yes is the response. And will that response be a yes even when nobody sees? Will that response be a yes when it's not valuable to everybody else on the outside? Will that be, response be a yes when it requires you to be maybe behind the scenes? I don't know what that looks like. And your yes could be on a platform. It could be at home. It could be in the marketplace. It could be at school. It could be on your kid's soccer field that you coach. But, but is your yes a response? response to God or is it driven by the production of a result? And I think, I think Priscilla shows us that in order for us to give our yes for that surrendered heart, we've got to surrender our measuring system, what we think is valuable, and what drives us um, from a results-oriented mentality. I think another area um, that can get in the way of our yes, that can get in the way of our surrender, and please know I'm talking about these things from my own experience too. These are not like I'm preaching from my, I'm preaching to myself this morning as well. Um, we're going to get really real here in a minute. Um, it's something else that keeps us from from our yes is this broader issue of how we view um, how we view the things that we hold on to, and that could be our stuff, our things, our resources. It could also be these areas of our life that I like to call our rights. And mm, my rights, they just get me into lots of trouble. And, I, and I've really had to battle with some of my rights over many seasons of life. My right for comfort and security. My right for my life to go the way that I expected. My right for God to do what I think I need or how I think my life should go. My right for a season of life to look a certain way. My right to, uh, to the, have the space to, to be doing something I think I need to be doing. My rights can get me into a lot of trouble. And I think in many ways as well, our, our view of our things or our resources or what it is that we hold on to can get us into lots of trouble. Um, just how important our things are, how they're connected to who we are, how we view ourselves, what our reputation is, what, what we've worked for. 
And when I look at Priscilla and I look at what she did with her life, I look at what she did with her season of life, and it seems to me that she held her rights and she held her stuff and her things very loosely. She had this business that she worked with with her husband. It probably was very difficult for her to work towards a place of having a reputation of being a business person, a successful person, a leader in her community as a woman. And what I see is that she leveraged everything she had, her home, her business, her resources, her season of life. She leveraged those things for the kingdom. She held loosely to those things. She didn't hold tightly to the plans that she had or tightly to the things that she had worked for or tightly to her home or her space. She held them loosely. And I think that's more difficult than we acknowledge, and it's more difficult than we give it credit for. Because that means that all the things she worked for, all the ways she, the dreams that she had, all the ways she thought that things were going to go, she sort of opened her hands and said, God, you take whatever I have. You take my resources, you take my business, you take what I've worked for, you take my reputation, you take my family and my home, and you use it for however you see fit, and I'm going to give it to you and see what you do with it. And what did the Lord do? He multiplied it. There were people who had experiences of his love and freedom in her home because she leveraged her resources for the kingdom. It is not about what you have. It's about what you're willing to let go. And that's what fuels the surrendered yes, is the ability to say, what am I willing to let go of? And I think for many of us, we got to think about that one thing that we just want to hold really tightly to. That one thing that you'd have to pry our fingers open to, let, to allow us to loosen our grip. It could be a tangible thing. It could be like a right thing. It could be whatever it is. It's that thing that I think can sometimes keep us from experiencing the fullness of our influence in Jesus and for the kingdom because we want to hold on to that thing. And God is saying, I have so much bigger and so much better for you, but I need you to give that surrendered yes so I can fully do what I want to do in your life and in the kingdom. And so I wonder, how can you give God what you have today? I think especially now, especially moms or women in the room, I think you may say, God, I don't have a lot, or what I have is, is dwindling, or what I have has limits. But, but what does it look like to give God what we have today, to hold it loosely? I wonder if that just means having uh, someone over into your home who's unlike you who maybe it's uncomfortable to extend an invitation to them, but you're going to invite them into your home and, and foster a connection with them. I wonder if it means considering your resources, your finances, what it is that, that you have to give, and how could you leverage that towards, um, towards generosity, towards those who are marginalized, towards the work of the kingdom. I wonder if it's considering a certain season of your life, whether it's a season where you're totally at capacity or a season where you have more capacity. You just imagined it going a certain way because you've, you've worked for it. You've worked to get to this season. You've worked to be able to have free time and be spontaneous and do what you want to do. And I wonder if it's looking at both of those kinds of seasons and saying, God, what is it that you want to do with this space and time? What is it that you want to want to do with this season that I may not have expected? How do I hold this loosely and allow you to prompt me towards the work of your kingdom in my own life? How can we just give God what we've got today? Because remember what Paul said about Priscilla. He said, they risked their lives for me, and not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. I think sometimes we forget that 
what we see and what we're experiencing is so limited and that the story of the kingdom is so big and so full of abundance and so much bigger than we could have ever hoped or imagined. And we've been in this whole series talking about the kingdom is like, dot, dot, dot. The kingdom is like, the kingdom is like. And I believe that when we respond like Priscilla, when we respond to God, when we hold what we have loosely and we give him our yes, we are essentially setting the table for the kingdom with our lives. It is like the ultimate yes to God. And when we set the table for the kingdom, we we take a role in whatever it is that the kingdom is doing. And what have we said happens in the kingdom? It's healing and freedom. It's reconciliation. It's bringing light and goodness to dark places. It's seeing beauty for ashes. And this is the kind of work that God has created you to do. This is what he has made you to be a part of. This is what it means to experience his resurrection power here on earth. And giving a surrendered yes, it's not just about living a life of influence. It's influential because it sets the table for the kingdom. It sets the table for people to come together in a new and fresh way. It sets the table for people to experience Jesus in a way they haven't before. It sets the table for those to find hope in in seasons of disappointment and grief and loss. And he wants to set the table through you. That's part of why you're here on this earth, is to create these spaces and these tables for people to experience Jesus. And it will be the thing that is more satisfying and better and and more influential than whatever it is you're chasing over here on earth. It will be more beautiful. It will be more connected to who you authentically are and are supposed to be than anything that you've been creating here. That's why this invitation is so beautiful. Because giving God your yes, it comes from a heart of surrender. And that surrendered yes, that will be your greatest influence. And I, I, I'm so passionate about this. And I think I want to invite all of you into this kind of a yes. Because at the end of the day, it is this surrendered yes that is at the center of the gospel. It's this surrendered yes that is at the center of of everything we are about as followers of Jesus. Because Jesus was the greatest influence of all. He gave the, the most surrendered, the greatest yes. When he chose to come down from his high and heavenly and, and king place down to, to earth to experience life with us so that our yes could bring us healing and freedom instead of brokenness and despair. And then he rose again so that we could experience the same power and help more people to come to know him so that no matter what we are dealing with today, what we've brought in this morning, whatever it is that's attached to our heart and our stories, we could experience the victory of Jesus over anything in front of us. That happened because Jesus said yes. And so what what does that mean though? right? Like, what does that mean for us today, right now, in this Mother's Day context? I don't know if you are a mom and you're in the thick of little kids, you're exhausted and disconnected from any semblance of yourself. Maybe you're a mom trying to understand your new role with adult kids or kids out of the house or just this new season you didn't expect. Maybe you are a mom who's estranged from her kids and that, that relationship, that disconnect is painful. You're someone who wants to be a mom, but have struggled with infertility and just the feeling of being overlooked as a person or a woman in your stage of life is what defines you. Maybe you had a mom who abandoned you or didn't build you up or support you. 
and it has just fueled insecurity and brokenness in your life. I want you to know that because Jesus said yes, there is healing and influence for you right now, that you have access to the power of Jesus and there is nothing too big for him. That because he said yes, he is a friend to the lonely. He is a refuge for the child who was rejected. He's a restorer for the mom who's exhausted. He is a grace giver for all of us overachievers. He is a comfort to the anxious. He is a shield for the fearful. He is a rest for the weary. His yes influences your reality right now and whatever is to come. And there is nothing too big. There is nothing too great. There is nothing too defining that will get in the way or defeat the yes of Jesus. It is yours. And when we sing about God's goodness or faithfulness, when we sing about him running after us, we sing those things because he is truly a God who's pursuing his people. He longs to demonstrate his power and his love and his healing in your life no matter what it is you've come in with or what it is you're experiencing. He is truly your hope. And I think sometimes on days like these that are difficult, we can have such a limited experience and view. And my hope this morning is that we can step outside of the context of what's in front of us and, and fix our mind and our heart and our spirit on the truth of God, on who he says and what he says he will do. And so to end our time this morning, I, I wanna enter into a space of, of affirmations together as women. When we first moved here to Elgin and we got to know some families, my daughter finally um, you know, was able to go play at some friend's house that we had met. And when she came home, they have three girls who just mama on Romy and my daughter. And when she came home, we were um, like brushing her hair after the shower for her to go to bed. And she looked in the mirror and she started saying all these affirmation statements. She said, I am strong. I am brave. I make good choices. And it was, she had this confidence that I hadn't really seen in her before. And it was just this declaring thing over her identity and over who she was. And I said, who taught you that? And she said, Briley. And I said, bless Briley. Bless those little lame girls who, who came alongside my daughter and who took it upon themselves to build into her truth about her and herself that, that she then accepted and made it a part of her story. And I just will never forget that moment of little women coming alongside my daughter and beginning to build truth in her brain and in her spirit. And I think that's so true to what Jesus hopes to instill in all of us. And I would hope that we would all have other women, other people to come alongside us and to declare truth over our life that we step into as a reality. So for all the women in the room, if you're, if you're a woman and you're here, please stand up. We're gonna say these affirmations together because I think we don't get enough space to do that. And if you don't have anybody in your life to come alongside you, we're gonna do it together this morning and do it for each other. So we're gonna start these affirmations. We'll say it all together, say it loud, and then I'll read the scripture that it corresponds with. All right, so here is the first statement. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. God will give me wisdom to deal with any situation. That was a practice round. We got, we got warmed up. We're gonna try it again. Ready? Come on, say it, say it with truth. God will give me wisdom to deal with any situation. James 1 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. God wants to give you wisdom and he has the capacity to give it to you at any moment. All right, next one. 
all together now. I am kept in perfect peace. Isaiah 26 says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Next one. God flows abundance into my life. I am like a tree planted by a river of his gifts. I love this image, I love this picture. Psalm says, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither and they never prosper, and they, they prosper in all they do. Next one. I am faithfully loved by God because of the Lord's steadfast love of the Lord. We are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord faithfully loves you. Okay, this is our last one. Let's really make it count. God will give me fresh strength as I wait on him. Isaiah 40 says, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You have wisdom, you have peace, you have abundance, you have faithful love, and you have fresh strength as you wait on the Lord. Let, let's walk in that truth as we step outside of these doors and let Let's let that truth define our weeks and our families and our homes and our experiences. If you are near a mom today, would you just uh, come around her, place your hand on her. We're gonna pray for the moms this morning. If you're not near a mom or someone you know, you just feel comfortable, just extend your hand uh, to pray for a mom that you know are the moms in your life. Dear Jesus, we are so grateful for who you are. We are so grateful that our experience, our reality, our purpose, our capacity, our influence is not based on who we are or what we do, but it is truly based on you. As we consider the moms in this room, as we consider all the experiences and stories and limits and responsibilities, we just give it all to you. And we pray, God, that you would do whatever you can do with whatever it is we have and that you would help us to see the value and the opportunity with whatever season we are in, that you would prompt us to be able to know what to say yes to, how to give you whatever we've got, and that you would just declare freedom and hope and peace, that you would lessen the load on, on these women, that, that you would bring respite and relief, that you would take the burden. I pray against the realities of anxiety and despair. I pray against the realities of grief and disappointment. I pray against these things that, uh, that threaten to define us and ask God that your truth, your perfect peace, your faithfulness, your goodness, those would be the foundations that you move us along on. I pray in this moment, I thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit. I thank you for the work that the Spirit is doing even now and pray that your word would not go out and return void. We acknowledge that you are planting seeds of promise. You are planting seeds of healing. You are planting seeds of freedom, that you are telling a new story, that you are stretching the capacity of, of your kingdom and you are making space for anyone and everyone for every experience, no matter how difficult, how dark, how disappointing. And God, in, in the highs and the lows, in the celebrations and in the valleys, you are true, you are unchanging, and you never fail. 
So we pray your abundance and your goodness and your love. We pray you would just come alongside each of these women and moms, every person in this room, and that you would speak to them in a fresh and new way this morning. We love you. We declare your faithfulness and your goodness. It's in your name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Happy Mother's Day for City Elgin. We love you. Head downstairs for some photos. Have an amazing Mother's Day and come back next week. See you later.